Welcome to today's episode of the Jerry's World Podcast. On today's episode, I will celebrate the end of 2020 as I say goodbye and good riddance to quite possibly the worst year in human history. To begin today's podcast, I will talk about some weird things to have happened in 2020, including some that we may have forgotten about because of how long the year just seemed to drag on for. I will then talk about some of the good things that happened in 2020, along with the worst thing that happened in 2020 that was not related to the coronavirus pandemic. I will then close out the podcast episode with the Dummy of the Year Award. Sit back, relax, and enjoy, everybody. All right, let's get right into it with the weird things to happen in the year 2020, and I am going to begin with toilet paper hoarding. That's right, toilet paper hoarding happened during the early stages of the pandemic when various states and cities were going into shutdown, lockdown, stay-at-home orders, whatever you want to call it. And before all of this happened, many people throughout the country decided to go to various grocery stores in their municipalities and stock up on whatever they can get a hold of before limits were imposed. Whether or not it was cereal, milk, juice, anything that you can find to eat or drink. But I guess people decided to take it to the extreme and decide to buy as many packs of rolls of toilet paper as they can. And just hoard it for months on end because they feared that they were going to be staying at home for a very long time. Now, I find this move to be ridiculous. I found it obscure. I found it weird. I'm sure we all found it to be that as well. And honestly, these people that bought like five, six packs of rolls of toilet paper look just look like idiots coming out of a store that with their 60 rolls of toilet paper that they probably had nowhere to put in their homes or their apartments or wherever they lived. I mean, what are you going to do with 60 rolls of toilet paper? I mean, how much toilet paper can one go, go through in a day? Seriously. How much, can, how much can a family of three, four go through in a week? They're not going to go through a whole 12-pack. I mean, unless, uh, unless you're living, not, living off a of Taco Bell for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, I mean, I can see that. But, I mean, if you're doing that, then either you just have too much money to waste or you're just too lazy to cook. But that's another story for another day. But the thing is with this toilet paper hoarding, it just kind of baffled me. I mean, I couldn't go into a grocery store for weeks without uh, seeing empty shelves uh, and empty aisles in the toilet paper section of either my local Tops, my local Wegmans, my local Walmart. It was just all very baffling to see. And I mean, honestly, like, the fear, like... You know what, do people think that coronavirus just made them like have severe diarrhea? Because, you know, that just didn't make sense. That just makes no sense in my opinion, honestly. So I found that whole toilet paper hoarding thing to be ridiculous, which is why stores decided to start limiting and rationing things out because of how people were just deciding to take whatever they can get their hands on at that point before all the shutdowns and lockdowns and stay-at-home orders were implemented by state and local governments. So in the end, I mean, like I said, I just found this weird. I found it obscure. When 
rumors of a second shutdown were happening in various states and municipalities in October, it started to happen again. And I find that ridiculous. I mean, the fact that it happened a first time is just insane. But the fact that it was happening a second time and nothing was really going to be done about it, I just, I'm like, what? How could you let that happen, honestly? But, I mean, at least it's not happening anymore. The toilet paper hoarding isn't allowed. There's limits on what you can buy. So, in an overall situation, I mean, I'm just glad that, like, that whole situation is kind of a thing of the past. And that's why I find it to be one of the weird things to happen in 2020. All right, we are going to go into the second weird thing to happen in 2020, and that is the murder hornets. Invasive giant hornets known as murder hornets were spotted in the United States for the first time in May of 2020. These are known to be giant hornets with freakish eyes and a venomous sting. They added to the year's long list of worries for many people. Asian giant hornets were spotted in the United States, specifically in the state of Washington, due to beekeepers having reporting piles of dead bees with their heads ripped off, which is an alarming sight in a country that already has a rapidly declining bee population. Due to the hornets being two inches long, they are also known to have been able to kill humans with their sting if humans are stunned by a mur- by these hornets multiple times. Because of this and also how they decapitate bees, they're nicknamed murder hornets. No one really knows how these murder hornets came to the United States, especially since these hornets are native to Asia. According to various agricultural, human, and natural resource science experts, they can sometimes be transported in international ca- cargo. Apparently, the giant murder hornet was spotted in the state of Washington back in December of 2019, but nobody really made a fuss about it because of how they go after bees. And in the wintertime, bees are nowhere to be found. They're in hibernation. So maybe the murder hornet just decided to hibernate as well and plot their next move when the bees themselves come out of hibernation. They are known to be most destructive in the late summer and early fall when they are on the hunt for sources of protein to raise hornets for next year. And they mainly prey on bees, so this is a huge problem for the bee population, as I mentioned, due to an already rapidly declining bee population. And they're also known to sting humans, and if, if a human got stunned multiple times, they could potentially die. This is just weird. I, I'm not a big fan of this. It's kind of scary. It's kind of creepy, honestly. I'm kind of glad I don't go, go to Washington. Kind of glad Washington is on the other side of the country. I mean, I saw a couple days ago that in the coronavirus stimulus plan that the government was actually launching a $4 billion plan or something like that to stop the spread of murder hornets and potentially figure out how to either contain the murder hornets or wipe them all out so they can stop killing the bees and stop the decline of the bee population. So what if that comes to fruition, good on the $4 billion there to stop the murder hornets, but as of right now, it's 
just a scary and weird thing overall. And because of that, we're going to be moving on to our next weird thing of 2020, which is the deft rumors of Kim Jong-un. All right, going into the next weird thing of the year 2020 is the deft rumors of notorious North Korean dictator Kim Jong-un. Back in May, April and May, it, is, it was rumored that Kim Jong-un had died due to a botched operation that he had. But this simply wasn't the case. Kim Jong-un was not seen by anybody in a three, over a three-week span. Even in his inner circle, he wasn't seen. But the thing is, though, is like just because, because nobody had seen him, they didn't, and they didn't know where he was. Rumors circulated about him either being dead, brain dead, in a coma, or just hiding. And the thing is, though, is like because North Korea is such an isolated nation, because they don't tell anybody anything that goes on in their country, everything is controlled by Kim Jong-un and, and his government, nobody actually was able to know what was going on, so to say. So the thing that was sort of thing is though is like because of this, everybody just assumed he was dead. South Korea media was reporting that he had a cardiovascular operation and he was recovering from this unspecified cardiovascular operation because of a result of heavy smoking ob- obesity and fatigue that Kim Jong-un was suffering from. But the site's story was inaccurately rendered as heart surgery, which was a far more serious phrasing, and it found its way into various news reports. And because of how North Korea operates with their media and their, and everything, and because South Korea doesn't actually get accurate news themselves from North Korea, the story itself was extremely vague about how Kim Jong-un's health was. It was noted that Kim hadn't been seen in public since April 11th and hadn't failed to show up for the annual ceremony of the Day of the Sun, which was April 15th, the anniversary of Kim Il-sung, North Korea's founding dictator and Kim Jong-un's grandfather. But the thing is, though, is that an international game of telephone was happening, even though this story by South Korean media was being downplayed. CNN, other news officials, they were reporting that Kim was in grave danger. They were following this story. They, they, they were trying to keep up with it. Rumors just circulated for days on end about whether or not Kim Jong-un was dead. And even a Twitter trend came out of it, hashtag Kim Jong-un dead, being that, being that trend. Uh, hashtag right there. But the thing is, though, is like I said, this wasn't the case, even though CNN set off an international game of gossip with news reports about Kim staking out every possibility. TMZ declared a breaking news banner stating that Kim Jong-un had died. This was not the case. As well, obviously, People were talking about how Kim Yo-jong, Kim Jong-un's younger sister, was in line to succeed him. This wasn't the case either. The talk after that was whether and how President Trump would respond to all these rumors at the time. And 
Trump himself was very confused about everything. He says he said that he hoped that Kim Jong Un was okay. Then Trump said that he didn't really have a clue about Kim's health. He had a good idea, but he wasn't sure. So nobody really knew what was going on with Kim Jong-un. But like I said, he wasn't dead. He appeared like three weeks later, on May, like, on May, like on May, to appear in a state-issued photo where he is shown cutting a ribbon on a new fertilizer factory outside uh, the North Korean capital of Pyongyang. Obviously, if this man is showing up to a ribbon-cutting ceremony, he's not dead. He doesn't look dead. Then the whole thing blew out of proportion, where it was told that he faked his own death to expose people in his inner circle and eventually have them all executed. So, Kim Jong-un faked his own death, caused an international swirl of rumors caused concern of various state uh, government leaders, including the President of the United States, just to see if he had traitors in his inner circle. The man played 4D chess, and we were all playing checkers. And it was all weird. And the thing is, though, is like, it's hard for all of this to be comprehended because of what goes on in North Korea. And because of what goes on in North Korea... You know, you can't say, oh, the the supreme leader of North Korea is uh, faking his own death. He's trying to expose uh, traitors in his inner So You can't say that. First off, you can't say that in any country because if, you know, if it's a covert operation that that Kim Jong-un and his uh, operatives were planning all along. But the thing is, though, it's just it's just weird. Like, the fact that, like, this man had news outlets on strings for the most part, and fake news was being spread about him. Like, it's just hard, like, to comprehend. It's hard to understand. I can't believe that this actually happened on an overall basis. Like, this man played chess with all of us, and we were all taken for fools. And for that, that's why... I find this whole situation to be one of the weird things to have happened in 2020. And with that, we are going to move on to the next weird thing of 2020, and that is Tiger King and anything associated with that TV show. All right, going into the fourth weird thing to happen in the year 2020 is the series Tiger King. Now, I'm sure that we all watched Tiger King at some point during the pandemic, This was a weird time for all of us. It was the beginning of the lockdowns, the beginning of the shutdowns. We were all bored. We really had nothing else to do. So what did we do? We all went on Netflix. We all went on Hulu. We all went on whatever streaming services we have. And we watched the biggest series that we could find. And if we all had Netflix, we found Tiger King. We all decided to watch Tiger King and become infatuated with it, only to realize that we were all fucking idiots for watching it. Tiger King is 
known to be a American true crime documentary ser- miniseries about the life of zookeeper Joe Exotic, who is currently in prison on animal abuse ch- uh, charges and murder for hi- and a murder for hire plot charge as well. Joe Exotic is currently trying to see if he can get himself pardoned by the outgoing president Donald Trump. There is no word on whether or not that is a success or failure yet. But being the weird series that it is, it focused on the small but deeply interconnected society of big cat conservationalists such as Exotic and his quote-unquote rival Carol Baskin, who Exotic accused of murdering her husband and feeding him to the tigers after he was killed. And Baskin accused Exotic of abusing and exploiting wild animals. Now, this series itself was just completely fucked up from the get-go. Your Netflix decided to go into the personal lives of these two weirdos and give us a first-hand look of how they ran their zoos. And... First off, I just want to say that this series was, I mean, uh, this series was enjoyable to watch at first, but I'm one of the many people that realize now that maybe, yeah, I should not have watched it because of how it receives criticism from animal rights groups. And then there's also the wildlife conservation issues as well, along with the fact that, well, we were kind of like rooting for one of these two morons. You know, half of us were like, oh, Carol Baskin, she's a great person. And then the other half were on the side of Joe, Joe Exotic and were like, well, that bitch Carol Baskin needs to go to prison. When in reality, Joe Exotic is cra- a crazy gun-touting fuck. And Carol Baskin is also a crazy fuck, too, in her own right. Whether or not she killed her husband is up for debate, honestly. But the thing is, though, is that, like... This series was a hit for Netflix. 35 million people watched it over its first 10 days of of release, ranking as one of Netflix's most successful releases to date, mainly because we were all in lockdown and had nothing else to do with our lives, so we decided to just say, hey, let's watch this. And then we realized that, like, hey, no, we were stupid. Personally, I mean... The back and forth between Exotic and Baskin, it, it it really is something to watch, honestly. Especially with how Exotic's personal life became a subject of interest. Particularly his unofficial three-way marriage to his two partners. And then his relationships uh, with them and his future husband. Joe Exotic also tried to run for president of the United States and the governor of Oklahoma. And this is well documented in in the series as well. But the thing is though it's like it's weird weird that people actually were following this guy before he went to prison. It's also weird that a lot of people actually like chose a side of this kind it kind of makes me think of twilight you know back when i was younger like oh team edward or team jacob i don't even know if i have those correct to be honest but 
it's weird. Like, you know, you get involved in something like this. And, I, and I'll blame myself with this, too. I mean, like, I'm not even going to lie. Like, you know, I was for Joe Exotic. I'm like, that bitch, Carol Baskin, she killed her husband. She fed him to the Tigers. I didn't even know that Don Lewis, who Don Lewis was until I watched this series. I mean, they actually focus on the disappearance of Don Lewis in in in, an, in a few episodes of this miniseries because of how Joe Exotic really wanted like that to be investigated. But overall, the series became very popular. Obviously, Joe Exotic is sent to prison. He uh, the the free Joe Exotic movement was launched because they a lot of people felt that he did nothing wrong. When in reality, he abused many of his tigers that he owned, and also try and also had a murder for hire plot out there for Carol Baskin, which I mean, come on, you you just can't do that. That's that's ridiculous. That's like committing crimes with checks. Don't commit crimes with checks, people, okay? Don't commit murder for hire plots either. I mean, both of those are just dumb, okay? And then Carol Baskin, you know, she became kind of the face of, like, you know, uh, Big Cat. She became the face of Big Cat Rescue, which is actually, like, what her animal sanctuary, whatever you want to call it, thing was, she became kind of like a face of like, you know, animal conservationism for a little bit there, even going on Dancing with the Stars for a brief uh, moment uh, this past season, which in my honest opinion is just straight nightmare fuel. But the thing is, though, is like Netflix knew what they were doing here. Being a getting permission to go into the lives of these people, they also had it right releasing this in the midst of a pandemic, when nobody had anything else to do. So Netflix was like, "All right, we know nobody's going to have anything to do, so we'll just make them watch it." And the thing is, though, is like they were right; they had a hit. We still talk about it to this day. People out there are still trying to have Joe Exotic pardoned by President Trump before he leaves office. People still think Carol Baskin is that bitch. Who knows? Maybe we'll still be talking about Tiger King in 2025, maybe even 2030. But with that, I'm going to go on to my next weird thing of the year 2020, and that is Aliens. That's right, I said aliens. Aliens and whether or not they are real or not is one of the weird things of 2020 that I am choosing to discuss. And I'm going to start with when the Pentagon decided to release UFO videos and nobody cared. And to be fair, the Pentagon didn't actually call them UFOs, which stands for Unidentified Flying Objects. They instead opted for the verbiage of Unidentified Aerial Phenomena. And UFO doesn't exactly mean aliens. And the footage exactly wasn't new, having been leaked years prior, with two of the videos being from 2004, which is 16 years ago, and one of the videos being from 2015, which is only five years ago. But the fact that the U.S. government officially recognized a UFO is pretty fucking huge news. I mean, it just happened to be on the same day that our lovely president decided to advise citizens to drink bleach to cure the coronavirus, though. So we, I can't exactly blame you if you don't remember it. 
I can't exactly blame you if you don't care to remember that the president told the American public to drink bleach either. I mean, I know that there's some pretty fucking stupid people out there that would decide to do that for fun anyways, but don't drink bleach. You're better off believing in aliens. At least believing in aliens, you'd still be alive. Drinking bleach, fuck. You're, you're shit. I mean, you may you may go meet some aliens when you die. Who knows? But moving on from that, I am now going to focus on the next part of aliens and why it's one of the weird things of 2020. There was some former Israeli security chief that uh, said there was a confederation of aliens waiting for us. He said that extraterrestrials exist and the Galactic Federation has been waiting for humans to reach a stage where we will understand what space and spaceships are. And he also said that Donald Trump knows about them. He... Haim Meshed, former head of Israel's Defense Ministry Space Directorate, was quoted as saying, The unidentified flying objects have asked not to publish yet that they are yet here. Humanity is not ready yet. He said that Earthlings have been in contact with extraterrestrials from a quote-unquote galactic federation. And he said that the aliens were equally curious about humanity and were seeking to understand the fabric of the uni- universe. He said cooperation agreements had been signed between species, including an underground base in the depths of Mars, where there are American astronauts and alien represent- representatives. And along with adding that President Donald Trump was aware of these extraterrestrial existence and had been on the verge of revealing information, but was asked not to in order to prevent quote-unquote mass hysteria. Take that for what you want. You can think that this guy is nuts. You can think that this guy is telling the truth. You could think that Donald Trump is insane. I mean, most of you already think that. But, I, it's, it's weird. I'm not going to lie. Like, the fact that some former, like somebody in high position power of power in a foreign country came out and said this. He came out and said this and was like, yeah, no, aliens are real. We have the United States president who knows about this. This is completely fine. Like, no, this is not fine. Like, if you actually believe that and you're trying to spew it on somebody else saying, oh, yeah, no, they know this is real, too. Like, should we as the worldwide public know about this? Should we be concerned? What do we feel about this? How do we feel about this? It's hard to tell. It's hard to understand. I find this all weird and whatnot. But I mean, like, he's also an old man, too, so he may, he could just be going senile and just saying anything that his mind is, that his mind comes up with just to make, just to make face and just to become part of the public eye again. But take that for what you wish for. But moving on to my last part of my alien conspiracies and why aliens are one of the weird things of 2020 is the monoliths that have been appearing all throughout the world over the last few months. Or should, I say, 
or should I say weeks, the last few weeks, last few months, uh, even the last few days, actually, they have first appeared, first were discovered in Utah. A monolith was first discovered in the state of Utah in a canyon in northern San Juan County. It sparked an international craze for reporting similar discoveries. Although it was already report, although it was found to be proven that the monolith had been there for about four years. But the thing is, though, is that monoliths have just been randomly popping up all over the place, all over Europe, all over North America, and it's continuing to happen. Even a few days ago, monoliths are just randomly popping up in Europe, in places like Norway, Poland. The United Kingdom, the Netherlands, Lithuania, Slovakia, Slovenia, Spain. Name a country in Europe. I'm pretty sure there's a monolith there. Name a state in the United States. I'm pretty sure that a monolith could be there. Arkansas, California, New York, Colorado, Florida, Georgia, Massachusetts. And this is all going on within the past few days, within the past month. And nobody really seems to be talking about this. It's very, very weird. I mean, I'm originally from Niagara Falls, and a monolith appeared at a golf course called Rockway Vineyard Golf Course in St. Catharines, Ontario, only 30 30 minutes away from where I'm originally from. And I'm surprised that, like, you know, a huge deal wasn't made about this in terms of, like, local media, whether or not, like, you want to, whether or not you choose to follow something like this. But it's just weird because, like, all these monoliths have just been popping up. Like, let's see, Georgia, one a monolith was found on December 14th. Florida, two were found in a span of three, day, uh, three four days on December 13th and December 16th. Massachusetts, one was found on December 19th. Michigan, two were found on December 8th and December 9th. Missouri, one was found on December 26th, just a couple days, just a few couple days ago. On, in New York, in Ithaca, which is only, I'm only about an hour, hour and a half away from where I am in Rochester right now. December 15th, uh, one was found in McDaniels Park. It, like, they're just popping up and it seems that nobody seems to like really know where these monoliths are coming from. I mean, I had a friend of mine I had a discussion with the a few when the, the monolith in Utah and even the monolith that was monolith that were being found in Europe uh, at, like late November. And he thought it was Banksy, the British artist, just going from country to country, place to place, randomly just putting them there. Obviously, like Banksy would have had to do this like pre-coronavirus pandemic. But the thing is, though, if they're out in the open like this, you think like, They'd be noticed like before 2020 because Banksy can't be going around from country to country for, and in the United States from state to state breaking various COVID-19 re- regulations to place these monoliths in random places. So it's just a matter of whether or not like this whole monolith thing is just a huge prank or maybe it's aliens. Maybe. We don't know. But but with that, with the monoliths, with the old Israeli uh, former politician and 
along with the U.S. government, deciding to finally recognize UFOs, it makes me wonder, are aliens real? Do they exist? Part of me believes that. Part of me believes that the aliens put the monoliths uh, all over the world. Part of me believes that aliens, you know, want to come to visit Earth, but us humans are just too fucking stupid to be worthy of their presence. But with that, I will be moving on to the next weird thing of 2020, and that is a parallel universe that was discovered by scientists in Antarctica. Going on to the next weird thing of 2020 is the story of a parallel universe in Antarctica. Now, I guess that wasn't entirely true. When the story broke about a parallel universe being detected, everybody seemed to jump at the gun on this one with a claim that NASA detected a parallel universe in Antarctica, of all places, where time apparently ran backwards. Now, the truth is, is that this was all a tabloid science story with some speculative, speculative theoretical physics, which might have had distant roots and plausibility that was amplified for reasons of sensationalism. Now, the whole thing was snowballed and... We tried to get to the people tried to get to the bottom of it, and the re, here are the reasons of why these anomalous detections in Antarctica were happening. Apparently, it was just a high altitude helium balloon called Anita that had an array of radio antennas that was funded by NASA, which spotted a handful of instances of what seemed to be highly energetic neutrinos coming through Earth. Now, these neutrinos are ghost, ghostly fundamental particles that flow through any, anything that barely interact with normal matter, which make them exceedingly hard to detect. But apparently, they were able to be found. They gained ultra-high energies and began to interact with normal stuff. The balloon was designed to detect signals of secondary particle showers produced as high-energy neutrinos that smash into ice. So the balloon was flying around. It detected all of this. Everybody thought that they, this balloon had detected a parallel universe where time runs backwards. They took the story, ran with it. Not entirely true here, honestly. Just a science tabloid story. It was a headline-grabbing parallel universe notion to... That is fun, mind-bending stuff to think about, which is nice to think about on its own, on its own. But the thing is, though, is like parallel universes don't really exist. There's a small number of anomalies in data that have exhausted all of the possible explanations of why parallel universes don't exist. But people decided to believe this story about a parallel universe being discovered in Antarctica of all places where time runs backwards. But the thing is, though, is that, like, we should all agree not to trust science news from tabloids and social media and leave it to the real experts, leave it to the real scientists, leave it to people that actually do research 
I mean, it sounds cool and everything. You know, I would have liked to go check out a parallel universe. I wouldn't want to check it in Antarctica, though. It's cold, as, it's cold down there, cold as hell. Reaches, like, negative temperatures, like, d- really negative temperatures down there. But with that, I am going to move on to the next weird thing of 2020, and that is Poland and how they accidentally invaded the Czech Republic. Yes, the next weird thing of 2020 is that Poland accidentally invaded the Czech Republic back in May. The Polish military admitted that it accidentally invaded the Czech Republic, but insisted that its brief occupation of a small part of the country was simply just a misunderstanding. Polish soldiers mistakenly crossed the country's border with the Czech Republic in late May before setting up there, the Czech foreign ministry told CNN and various other media outlets. The soldiers who had been guarding parts of the closed Polish-Czech border during the coronavirus pandemic then started to turn away Czech citizens who were attempting to visit a church in their own country. The snafu led the Czech embassy in Warsaw to take immediate action and notify its, its Polish counterpart, adding that Poland has still not formally explained why it mistakenly annexed its neighbor. The incident occurred near a small border village in southern Poland that sits opposite a small, sparsely populated stretch of Czech countryside. A quiet road there serves as the boundary between the two nations, and the Polish Defense Ministry explained that soldiers of the Polish army support the border guard in protecting the state border after its closure due to the coronavirus pandemic. And they and they acknowledged that they did not confirm how long how its soldiers were present in the Czech Republic. Borders between European countries are often very barely visible anyways as citizens enjoy freedom of movement across the block. But because of the coronavirus pandemic, nations shut off entry to foreigners from throughout the European Union to control spread of the virus. This whole thing to be honest, is just crazy. Like, how do you not know what country you're in? How do you not know that you crossed the border? You are in the military. You are in a military of a a country. You should know when you enter and leave your country, whether or not you go in and out of the country just for leisure leisure travel or for business. You should know, like, the boundaries of your country. Especially with the fact that Poland and the Czech Republic have history in border conflicts. They fought a seven-day war over territory in 1919, and Poland annexed the region around the city of Bohemian in 1938. So, this actually could have caused quite a stir, could have caused quite a scare in Europe if Poland actually didn't realize the mistake that they had made. But overall, it just makes me wonder, like, how, what fucking morons Poland sent to, like, go stand around that area of the border between Poland and the Czech Republic, only to realize that these morons didn't know what they were walking into, literally. I mean, first off, they just march into the Czech Republic and guard block of a small town, and then they turn Czech citizens away from their own church, and they don't even realize it. Like you, you like 
what's going through these people's minds? Like, first off, it's the military, the Polish military is just stupid for going to a foreign country not knowing it. Second off, whoever's in charge of the Polish military is dumb for sending these morons to do something that they clearly weren't capable of doing. And third off, this whole situation just could have been averted if they knew basic geography. Like, it wasn't, it's not that hard. Look at a map. Take a look at the border and go from there. But it's Eastern Europe. I'm not going to go into that anymore. It's just a whole situation that is weird and could have, could have been completely averted if people in the Polish military knew geography, which is why I'm going to move on to the next weird thing of 2020, and that is how monkeys decided to take over a city in the country of Thailand. All right, the next weird thing to happen in 2020 was how monkeys took over a city in Thailand. Lopuri, Lopuri, Thailand, a one-time capital of a Siamese kingdom and a repository of ancient architecture, is a city under siege due to crab-eating macaques, which is a Southeast Asian species with piercing eyes and curious natures. They have spilled out of the temples in Thailand where they were once revered and have taken over the heart of the old town. Their growing population, at, which is at least 8,400 in the area, with most concentra- concentrated in a few city blocks, have decimated parts of the local economy there. And they have territorial troops of Makakes roaming around in various neighborhoods. Dozens of businesses have been forced to close in recent years. The coronavirus pandemic added to the chaos where the frolicking monkeys draw droves of tourists as well as Buddhist faithful. But with the coronavirus pandemic happening, there's no tourists coming in. There's no Buddhist faithful coming in as well. So the monkeys get hungry and they try to find that source of nutrients, the source of food. So they just decide to take over the town and mass chaos ensues. They move into abandoned buildings, trashing display cases and rattling bars installed to keep them out. They also destroy cars, destroy anything in sight for the most part. Many residents in the area and the town live in fear of the next attack by the monkeys. So, for the most part, the monkeys have pretty much taken over the city and are planning their next pl- Their next move could happen any moment. They're, they they could still be ru- run, running wild over the town, city area. They could still be, like, ruling and taking over everything for the most part. And the thing is, though, is nobody knows, like, how to stop this. Nobody knows when it's going to end, honestly. The city, the city, uh, the city is pretty much like in a matter of like you know it's in fear, like the city of Lapuri is in fear. The people are in fear. They're fearing for their lives. They don't know what. First off, the coronavirus pandemic has, like everywhere else, just destroyed their livelihoods for the most part. But it also adds to what goes on with the monkeys. 
destroying their livelihood, destroying their city, destroying the area surrounding the city. It just makes things worse for the people of Lapuri. So it's one thing that, like, you know, you, you don't know how it's going to end. I guess it all depends on when the coronavirus pandemic decides to die down in Thailand. I have no idea whether or not they, got, they have got any vaccine to help help trim the numbers of those infected, help, help stop infections as well. But the thing is, though, is like, as long as the coronavirus pandemic is still a threat in Thailand, the monkeys will be as well. I find this whole situation to be weird. I mean, I, I feel bad for the people of, this, of that city in Thailand. I feel bad for that area in Thailand as well. I hope the situation dies down. I hope the monkey problem is taken care of. I hope that the monkeys return to their natural habitat. They can, I hope they go back to the temples. I hope they're able to get food eventually. And I hope that they're able to stop harassing the citizens of the surrounding area and where they're currently occupying. Overall, though, just a weird situation. We're going to be moving on to the next weird thing of 2020, and that is the Mike Tyson and Roy Jones Jr. exhibition fight. All right, going into the next weird thing of 2020 is the Mike Tyson and Roy Jones Jr. exhibition bout that happened. Now, when I first heard that this was going to happen, I didn't really think that this was true. I didn't think that this was actually going to happen. I thought maybe, you know, it's a publicity stunt. But Mike Tyson and Roy Jones Jr. did decide to go in the ring both over the age of 50 and do an exhibition bout. And I will admit, I watched it. I actually watched it, and while I was watching it, I thought to myself, like, what year is this? I thought to myself that I was in the year 2000, not in the year 2020, because we're seeing a fight that should have happened 20 years ago when these men were in their primes in their boxing career instead of when Roy Jones Jr. was completely out of shape, and he looked out of shape as well, going up against a man that, while he trained and looked very well for his age, he just wasn't Mike, he still wasn't Mike Tyson from, you know, 20, 25 years ago. This was a man in his 50s going up against another man in his 50s. But the thing is, though, is that, like, this whole fight in itself, you know, the whole bout, like, the whole fight card in itself was something to behold and be bewildered by. You had a YouTuber taking on a basketball player. Jake Paul taking on Nate Robinson in an exhibition fight. And Jake Paul honestly just destroyed Nate Robinson. Nate Robinson. I mean, he knocked him down, then he knocked him out. And then you have Snoop Dogg, you know, going with his commentary singing, singing the hymns and the got and his gospels uh, and his commentary is just another story right there. That was fantastic. Uh, with him, uh, by his part. But the thing is, though, is like that whole sequence there 
I mean, Nate, Nate Robinson became a meme because of that. Like, the knockout became a meme for a few days. I mean, the meme is still out there. But uh, Snoop Dogg also performed, too, if, during, uh, in between fights. And he performed many of his hits. Now, Snoop Dogg, obviously, like most of his hits that we remember, go back to the late 90s, early, 2000, late 90s, early 2000s. So that also pertained for, to me, like, to think as to, like, oh, what year is this? Like, I was just perplexed by the whole thing. I did enjoy watching it, though. And overall, I just will admit that I found it weird that it had happened. But it being 2020, I guess anything was possible. And the crazy thing is, is that Tyson wants to fight again. Tyson wants to go into the ring one more time. I guess the, the rumor is, is that he may go up against Evander Holyfield. Let's hope he doesn't try and bite his ear, ear off again. But one thing is for certain. Roy Jones Jr. should not step in the ring again. His time is done. Props to him for going up against Tyson, doing this exhibition bout. I enjoyed watching it. I'm sure a lot of other people did too. I'm sure a lot of people felt like they wasted their money with it too. But hey, that's what happens when you choose to watch two old men go into a boxing ring. Going and going off of that, I will then go into my last weird thing of 2020. And that is the greatest hits of Elon Musk. All right, the last weird thing of 2020 is a collection of Elon Musk's greatest hits. Elon Musk, well, he's a rich motherfucker. He is a rich motherfucker. He has almost as much money as God. But yet, not a lot of people like him. And he pulled more shit in 2020 than anyone can be bothered to remember. So I'm just going to run through a recap of some of his greatest 2020 hits. Starting off with how he named his daughter after a plane or something. The name's got like an X or something in it. I don't know. Nobody actually really cares. Um, uh, Like XAEA-12 or whatever it is. I, I, I I don't know. I mean, nobody knows. Nobody really knows, honestly. I, it's just, ugh, I don't know what to make of it. Nobody knows. So we're going to move on. He got red-pilled. When he got red-pilled, that means he tweeted about talking about, ta- t- tweeted about taking the red pill. He got dunked on hard by the creator of The Matrix. He tweeted out, take the red pill. Red pilling is a term that's associated with white right-wing conspiracy folk conspiracy focused corners of the internet. Taking the red pill might be turning away from liberal ideologies. Uh, his, it needless to say, this received a very mixed response. Um, a lot of people uh, agreed with him, saying that taking the red pill is good. A lot of people said it's bad. Um. Soon after that, one of the co-creators of The Matrix got involved and said fuck you to both Elon Musk and Ivanka Trump. Honestly, 
this whole thing is just weird itself. Elon Musk just trying to stir the pot with some craziness here. We're going to move on to his next greatest hit. He predicted that the COVID-19 pandemic was overblown and it was just widespread panic. And he said that cases would be down to zero by April. Really? Down to zero by April, you say? Then why am I at home still? Why can't I work in my office? Why can't I enjoy life? We're down to zero by April. Wow, it's December. It's almost the end of the year. Wow, okay, yeah, he's a real genius. He raged, uh, he raged against stay-at-home orders to put his employees' health at risk as well. Clearly, Elon Musk did not believe in the COVID-19 pandemic. He co- still doesn't believe in the COVID-19 pandemic. He decided to say fuck off to the stay-at-home orders, trying to put all employees' health at risk. He then vowed to sell all of his possessions. He said he wants to, he said that at one point that he wanted to sell all of his homes and five of them hit the market for 95.5 million dollars. He uh two of them themselves are listed at about 40 million in total. He tweeted that he's selling almost all of his physical possessions will own no house back in May. It makes me wonder like what goes through Elon Musk's mind on a daily basis for him to decide to pull shit like this. Because he continued to cast unfounded doubt on COVID testing because he tested positive twice and then negative twice, so he wasn't sure. Then he got COVID despite calling it bogus, which was ironic. Then he got mad at people for having pronouns in their bios. Like he got... Blasted for posting a transphobic meme mocking people who shared their pronouns. He he shared a he shared a meme of a British redcoat who loves to who loved to oppress, fighting during the American Revolutionary War, rubbing his blood covered hands on his face. Captioned when you put he dash him in your bio. The tweet stirred up controversy just like every other thing that Musk does. And they accused him of thinly vialed transphobia. Well, Musk, you're just a fucking dummy. Like, there's clearly something, like, in his mind. It's like, yeah, I can get away with this. I have a shit ton of money. And it's like, no, you can't actually get away with this, even though you have a shit ton of money. You're fucking, you're fucking stupid. Oh, and then let's not forget his greatest hit of 2020. He blew up his rocket launch. The spaceship the spaceship that he created, SpaceX's Starship SN8 exploded while trying to land. 7 minutes after it launched, it touched down in in Texas and exploded. The reason for the explosion, according to him, was that the touchdown velocity was high, which, yes, it happened, but still said that the test flight was a success. No, it wasn't. It fucking exploded, you moron. Like I said, though, 
Elon Musk just has a lot of thoughts in his head. He thinks that he can get away with everything that he does because he has a lot of money. He needs to have his phone taken away from him. He needs to have his Twitter account uh, taken away from him. He should just be not allowed. He should just should not be allowed to have social media because of all the stupid shit that he says, that he tweets, that he feels is important. When in reality, he just looks like a fucking dumbass. But with that, I'm glad that like this is the end of the year. Hopefully Elon Musk will just keep quiet for a while. And I hope that I, I do wish a happy new year for him. I, I'm not going to be that that big of an asshole. But with that, that concludes the weird things to happen in 2020. And I will move on to the best things of 2020, in my opinion. All right, going into the best things of 2020, in my opinion, and I am going to begin with TikTok. That's right, TikTok. Now, I personally don't have TikTok. I don't have a TikTok account. I don't watch TikTok videos on the TikTok app. But some of my friends have TikTok accounts. They've made TikTok videos. They've shared TikTok videos with me. So I have been able to see some of the videos that are put out on TikTok in the year 2020. Now, TikTok, you know, causes a a difference of opinion. You know, some people find it pointless. Some people find it as a way to entertain themselves. Some people find it as a way to, like, distract themselves from what's going on in the world. I see it as all three. I mean, it's a little bit distracting. It's a little bit annoying. But it's also a good way to take your mind off things. You know, just enjoy the videos that people put on there and watch. And maybe maybe I will, you know consider downloading the app and watching these TikTok videos, unless it's some stupid dance. I really don't care to watch some stupid dance. But if it's funny, I'll take a look at it. Now, one of the things of 2020 associated with TikTok is the TikTok challenges that happened. And one of them being quite possibly the most popular challenge of 2020 was the Dreams Challenge. Now, this came about with TikTok user Dogface420, if I'm correct on that username, who rode on a skateboard drinking cranberry juice, vibing out to Fleetwood Mac's song Dreams. Now, this video had millions of viewers on TikTok. It also had millions of views and comments on Instagram as well. It became so popular that Fleetwood Mac Mick that Fleetwood Mac members Mick Fleetwood and Stevie Nicks got involved as well and posted their own TikToks with the song. Mick Fleetwood himself copied Dogface 420 by skateboarding in the rain and drinking cranberry juice. Dogface420 wanted to do a collab with Mick Fleetwood. Stevie Nicks then followed up with her own TikTok video. Not as popular as Mick Fleetwood's in my opinion. But the real winner in this was Ocean Spray Cranberry Juice. It sold out like it was nothing. You couldn't find it anywhere. It sold out. Flew off the shelves because of how popular the video made Ocean Spray Cranberry Juice. Now, the thing is, though, is like, 
why why the song dreams why did people care about this guy who likes to smoke pot who rides a skateboard and drinks cranberry juice it made us forget about the coronavirus pandemic it made us forget about like the the weird shit that was going on in the world including some of the weird shit that i had previously mentioned in the weird things of 2020 plus Dreams is a catchy song. It brings out a good vibe in all of us. I mean, just listen to it right now. Alright, going into the next best thing of 2020 in my opinion, and that is the vaccines that were created by both Pfizer and Moderna to eventually once and for all put an end to the coronavirus pandemic. Pfizer and Moderna created created different vaccines to go up against the coronavirus pandemic to stop the spread of COVID-19. To and for us to eventually return to our daily and normal routines and our normal and daily lives. Now, I love this. I'm a huge fan of this. I'm sure everybody else is too, because I'm pretty sure that everybody wants to go back to their normal lives eventually. The coronavirus vaccines created by both Pfizer and Moderna are 95% effective and have been be, have been begun to be distributed to various parts of the country. They're in all, they've been distributed in all 50 states. Healthcare workers, nursing homes, EMTs, they were the, those, those people were the first to get the coronavirus vaccine. Um, vulnerable people are going to be in the next group of people that will get the vaccine distributed to them too. And in terms of vulnerable people, I mean the elderly, people with underlying health conditions, it's going to be some time before healthy people that are younger are able to get access to the vaccine. But the thing is, though, is that we are heading in the right direction. You need two doses. One of them, you get taken two doses 14 days apart, the other vaccine, you get two doses, 21 days apart. It all depends on which one you choose to take. But like I said, both of them are 95% effective. So there's a very good chance that the vaccine will build up an immunity for you in terms of never getting the coronavirus. So eventually, when when the vaccine gets distributed to everybody, 
and not just certain groups of people. I have a, I have a good feeling that we are going to go back to our daily lives. Life will return to normal. I mean, props to the scientists that did the research at Pfizer and Moderna. Props to everyone associated with creating the vaccine, with distributing the vaccine. Props to Pfizer and Moderna for everything associated with it. I mean, words cannot express how happy I am about the vaccine being out there. Words cannot express how happy I am to being steps cl- step cl- steps closer to returning to my daily life. Words cannot express how grateful I am for this because honestly, I am going to be a little bit selfish here. This pandemic has fucking sucked. I'm ready to return to my office the office I never actually got began to work at. I, I hate working at home. Hopefully I can return to the office sometime in the spring. Hopefully sometime in the spring, early, in the spring, early summer, we can all return to our normal lives and we can put this whole thing behind us. All right. And the last of the best things of 2020, in my opinion, is the 10 episode documentary series, The Last Dance, which was created by and released by ESPN. The Last Dance focuses on the 1998 Chicago Bulls. And in the fall of 1997, Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls allowed a film crew associated with NBA Entertainment to follow them as they went for their sixth NBA title in eight seasons. This film crew and what they put together resulted in a stunning portrait of one of the sport sport of basketball's most iconic athletes, and not just one of the sport of basketball's most iconic athletes, one of the most iconic athletes of all time, and a celebrated team. The Last Dance follows the Bulls' 1997-98 season from start to finish while also covering the rest of the chapters in Michael Jordan's remarkable career with the Chicago Bulls. It follows the Jordan timeline from when he was an emerging star uh, in college to becoming a worldwide marketing force and cultural figure. It also focuses on many key players of the Bulls as well, including Scottie Pippen, Dennis Rodman, Coach Phil Jackson, GM Jerry Krause, and role players such as Steve Kerr. The series itself takes its name from a phrase coined by Phil Jackson, who knew that the season would most likely be the final run of its core members of that 1990s Bulls dynasty. Honestly, I consider this one to be to be one of the best things for 2020 because it was released at a time when we were in the beginning of lockdown, no sports were going on. It was supposed to be released in June of 2020 after the NBA Finals, but because of the COVID-19 pandemic and how severe lockdowns were at the time and how sports weren't, a th- live sports were not a thing for all of us, ESPN decided to push the premiere to April of 2020 and it was released on a weekly basis with two episodes from April 19th until May 17th and it just created a worldwide phenomenon honestly. The series 
made life feel normal again in a way, honestly. It drew positive reactions from many players and people in the NBA universe. It brought it brought sports fans together for the most part. I mean, we were able to relive one of the greatest dynasties in all of American sports with the 1990s Chicago Bulls. We, as basketball fans, were allowed to relive the career of one of the, gr- of the greatest basketball player of all time, in my opinion. I'm sorry, Le- fans of LeBron James. It, it's not him. It's Michael Jordan. I don't care. Michael Jordan's the greatest basketball player of all time. We'll agree to disagree on that one. I'm not going to get into an argument there. But the thing is, though, is that this, seri- this documentary series also gave us a breath of fresh air in terms of sports. It gave us something to watch as sports fans when we didn't have live sports. It gave us a sense of normalcy in a way. Because we are able to discuss sports. We are able to discuss something that wasn't the coronavirus pandemic uh, along with everything else that was going on in the world at the time. And The Last Dance also provided some insight into how we can not only just talk about Michael Jordan, but we can also talk about characters such as Pippin and Rodman and Rodman's antics and how Phil Jackson is quite possibly one of the greatest coaches of all time. And the series also introduced Michael Jordan and the 1990s Chicago Bulls to a much younger generation for basketball fans to recognize the greatness of Jordan and those Bulls teams, especially the 98 team because of how tired they all were, and also the 96 team because the 96 team is quite possibly one of the greatest teams in NBA history in terms of a single season. But overall, the last dance was a good thing for me personally because I love sports. I was able to enjoy a wonderful documentary series. It's probably one of the best sports documentaries out there in my opinion. And if you haven't watched it, I recommend that you do give it a watch. But for those reasons, that's why it's one of the best things to happen in 2020, in my opinion. I'm going to go on to the worst thing of 2020, not related to the coronavirus pandemic. And this is very tough for me to talk about. And it is pertaining to all of the legends and icons that we lost in the year 2020. And I'm going to begin with a bunch of notable sport sporting icons that sadly passed on in the year 2020, going back to January. I will begin with David Stern, who passed away on January 1st, the commissioner of the NBA who transformed the league from a financially troubled fringe league to a global and cultural powerhouse. 
He passed away at 77 years old on January 1st. Don Larson also died on January 1st. He carved his name forever in baseball history when he pitched a perfect game in Game 5 of the 1956 World Series. We lost Kobe Bryant on January 26th at, at the age of 41 when his him, his daughter, and uh, and and others others as well were killed in a helicopter crash just outside of Los Angeles in Southern California on January 26th. We lost Willie Wood, a Hall of Fame defensive back and five-time champion with the Green Bay Packers on February 3rd at age of 83. He is known for making the first interception in Super Bowl history. We lost Tony Fernandez on February 16th after complications from kidney disease, playing 17 MLB seasons with the Toronto Blue Jays, the New York Mets, and the New York Yankees. Mickey Wright passed passed away on February 17th of a heart attack. She gave the fledging LPGA a crucial lift and won 13 majors among her 82 victories, one of the pioneers of women's golf. Fred Curley Neal passed away on March 26 at the age of 77, who entertained millions with the Harlem Globetrotters for parts of three decades. Al Kaline spent who spent his entire 22-season Hall of Fame career with the Detroit Tigers, passed away on April 6th at, at the age of 85. He was known affectionately as Mr. Tiger to the Detroit Tigers and their fan base. Don Shula, who won the most games of any coach and led, to, and led the 1972 Miami Dolphins to the only perfect season in the history of the NFL, passed away on May 4th at the age of 90. Phyllis George, the former Miss America who became a female sportscasting pioneer, passed away on May 14th at the age of 70 after a long fight with with a blood disorder. Jerry Sloan, who's notably known for taking the Utah Jazz to the finals in 97 and 98, where he would eventually become a Hall of Fame coach, passed away on May 22nd at 78 from complications related to Parkinson's. Wes Unseld, the Hall of Fame center who led the who led Washington to its only NBA championship, and is one considered one of the greatest player fifty greatest fifty greatest players in league history, died on June second after a series of health issues at the age of seventy four. Lute Olson, the Hall of Fame coach who turned Arizona into a college basketball powerhouse, died at eighty five, at the age of twenty seven. At the age of 85 on August 27th. John Thompson, the former Georgetown men's basketball coach and the first African-American coach to win the NCAA tournament in 1984, died at the age of 78 on September 1st. He, uh, Tom Seaver, a Mets legend, World Series champion, and Hall of Famer who gave a generation of baseball fans, a baseball hero of their own, died 
of complications from dementia and COVID-19 on September 2nd at the age of 75. Hall of Famer Lou Brock, one of baseball's greatest leadoff hitters and base stealers and a St. Louis Cardinals le- uh, St. Louis Cardinals legend who won two World Series, passed away four days later on September 6th at the age of 81. Gail Sayers, a Hall of Fame running back with the, with the Chicago Bears, passed away on September 23rd at the age of 77. Bob Gibson, the hard-throwing Cardinals Hall of Fame pitcher known for his fierce demeanor, died on October 2nd after fighting pancreatic cancer at the age of 84. One week later, Whitey Ford, who won 236 games during his 16 seasons with the Yankees and has the highest winning percentage in baseball history, passed away on Friday, on Friday, October 9th at 91. Just two days later, on, on October 11th, Joe Morgan, the Hall of Fame second baseman and the spark plug of Cincinnati's Big Red Machine in the 1970s, died at the age of 77. Tommy Heinsohn, a Boston Celtics legend as a player, coach, and broadcaster, also known as Mr. Celtic, died at the age of 86. Paul Horning, the dazzling golden boy of the Green Bay Packers, died on November 13th at the age of 84. Diego Maradona, the Argentine soccer great, one who is considered one of the greatest soccer players of all time, in my opinion, the greatest soccer player to ever grace a soccer fi- a soccer field or soccer pitch, who led Napoli to two Serie A titles and an, and a UEFA Cup, along with leading Argentina to the 1986 World Cup, died of died of cardiac arrest at the age of 60 on November 25th. Kevin Green, who was a two-time All-Pro all and five-time Pro Bowl selection, finished who finished his career with 160 sacks, passed away on December 21st at age 58. And Phil Necro, who pitched well into his 40s and is considered the greatest knuckleball pitcher of all of baseball history, died on December 27th at the age of 81 after a long fight with cancer. Now that is just some notable sporting deaths that happened in 2020. Many more have happened and it's very painful to talk about a lot of these people because you read about them, you hear about them. Many people before me grew up associated with a lot of those people. I grew up associated with Kobe Bryant, so... It's hard for someone that loves sports like myself to express and understand like all the loss the sports world took in the year 2020. I'm going to move on to the entertainment in this industry and the entertainment industry lost a few icons as well, starting with actors Sean Connery and Chadwick Boseman, along with game show hosts Alex Trebek and Regis Philbin, 
two pioneers, uh, all four pioneers of the entertainment industry. Sean Connery being the le- a legendary actor and most notably known as James Bond when the Bond films first came out. And Chadwick Boseman most notably known for his role as King, T'Cha- King T'Challa in Black Panther and also playing Jackie Robinson in, in the movie 42. Alex Trebek being the the longtime host of Jeopardy, and Regis Philbin being a longtime host of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, along with being a talk show host as well. We also lost some people in the music industry as well, legendary musicians such as Little Richards, Bill Withers, and Eddie Van Halen. And we also lost some political icons as well, such as you, such as uh, John Lewis, uh, the civil rights icon from the state of Georgia, and Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Both of them trailblazers in their own rights. And honestly, like I said, there's a lot of people that passed on in 2020, and that's just to name a few. It's very tough to talk about all of this. It really is. And the thing is, though, is like, Deft is experience. We all experience deft. I knew none of these people. I only knew them through music, film, television, sports, politics. But the thing is, though, is like these are people that you heard about, read about, seen. They had views that were cast in the public eye. They had images and perceptions from the public. And it's very tough that 2020 was their last year on earth. And for me, in my opinion, that is why I believe that this is the worst thing of 2020, not related to the coronavirus pandemic, because we as a society lost all of these legends and icons but the work that they've done, whether it was in sports, in television, in politics, in film, in music, it will go on forever. It will live on forever. And their memories will be cast in, the, in those ways. And because of what they have done, we will remember them as who they were. The icons and legends that they made themselves out to be. All right, it is time to present the Dummy of the Year Award, and the Dummy of the Year goes to... Drumroll, please! The United States Government. That's right, everybody, the United States government and the politicians associated with the United States government are the big winners of the Dummy of the Year Award. They are the recipients of the 2020 Dummy of the Year Award, and I'm going to tell you why. First off, I'm going to go into why they just don't give a shit about the American public. 2020 has been a hell year. It's been a shit year. 
the coronavirus pandemic, social injustice, social unrest, you think that the government and the politicians would actually give a shit. No, they don't. There have been speeches, assemblies, protests in terms of all the social injustice that has been happening across the country. You think that the politicians would respond to that, that they would react, that they would try to enact change and make laws and do actually do something to take a, help take a stand against social injustice. But they don't. They kind of just said, okay, yeah, we support you, but... In reality, there has been nothing done action-wise to help support all of the change that is needed in this country in terms of social injustice. And the government really hasn't done anything to prevent social injustice from happening either. So that's kind of a big deal there. It's kind of a problem. A problem that frustrates many Americans, a a problem that needs to be addressed. Second off, we're still in the middle of the coronavirus pandemic. We're closing in on a year since the coronavirus first came about. And the politicians and and the government themselves, they just don't care, to be honest. I mean, the thing is, is that, like, they they only came up with one plan to help businesses, to help the American public. They only gave a measly $1,200 for, Amer- for some Americans to live on for seven months almost. And then they didn't do anything after that until now in December when they decided to give $600 to those same Americans, which is only half of that, half of the $1,200. And now livelihoods have been damaged, not just in terms of people without jobs, but businesses are also closing too. And the government just doesn't seem to give a fuck about the American public. I mean, Dave Portnoy and Barstool Sports have done more to help small business owners and their employees than through the Barstool Fund than the United States government has done, which is, I mean, great for Dave Portnoy, great for Barstool Sports. Support the Barstool Fund if you can. Just buy a t-shirt, buy something. It's a great cause. The United States government, on the other hand, you know, they talk about how they it's talked about how they can just print money and and the debt just keeps increasing like who cares about this i mean like you know you should actually give a shit about your own citizens the people that actually vote you in to represent you the people represent the people of the states that you represent like, we vote members of Congress in, in terms of the House and the Senate. We vote in for these people to, rep- to be our constituents, to represent us as the people, to be a voice for us, and yet they don't ca- seem to care. Over the past year, and, and this isn't just in 2020, this has been going on for a long time, politicians have chosen to represent party over country. Democrats and Republicans chose to fight 
instead of try to come to a consensus, a compromise, and an agreement on what needs to happen to improve this country, and not just in a year of social injustice and social unrest and a pandemic. But this was happening years before, too. I mean, if, I, if the Dummy of the Year award was a thing before 2020, politicians and the United States government would get it until they actually decide to be smart for once and actually give a fuck about the American public. It's been said best by Anthony Rizzo of the Cubs back in August. He was quoted as saying, shit doesn't change, and that's just the fact of the matter. Politicians really don't give a fuck about us. All they care about is their own agenda. That's true. Talk that talk. Change needs to happen, but they don't make that change possible because it doesn't support their own agenda. They've never cared about the American public. In my opinion, it should be choosing the colors of the flag, red, white, and blue, instead of choosing the colors of your parties, which are red or blue. But the politicians don't seem to get that. They just choose to fight with amongst each other. I mean... Hopefully, if things get better within the government, hopefully they I mean, decide they realize that like helping the American public and getting their livelihoods back on track is more important than the infighting that happens in Washington. And may and hope and the thing is though is like we as the American people should remember all of the all of our constituents in Washington that chose not to represent us in the way that we voted for them to represent us in the next election for Congress, whether it's a Senate election or a House election, because if we keep putting the same people in that didn't do anything for us now, what makes you think that they're going to do something for us two years down the road, four years down the road, six years down the road, and so on and so forth? And with that, that's my rant about the United States government and the politicians currently. And that is why they are the recipients of the 2020 Dummy of the Year Award. All right, this concludes this episode of the Jerry's World Podcast. I hope everybody enjoyed it. On the next episode of the Jerry's World Podcast, I will preview the playoffs for the National Football League season. I will then discuss the upcoming return of the National Hockey League, along with some various Star Wars topics. And then I will also discuss a new soccer team that is coming to my home city of Rochester. I may or may not also have my first guest on the Jerry's World podcast. We, we shall see what happens there. Until then, everybody, have a happy new year. It's the feeling good all the time.